What's going on boxing fans around the world? It is Tuesday, October 13th, and welcome back to another episode of For All the Belts, the boxing podcast that will keep you updated. I am your host, Jacob Ibarra. I apologize for lagging a little. I kind of fell behind this weekend and this past week, so that's on me. I hope everyone had a good weekend, though, especially with the Lakers being NBA champs. LA is on top again, as it should be. Now it's time for the Dodgers to do, to do the same thing. But enough of that, though. Let's talk about the fights. Let's kick things off with some Friday night fights. This past Friday night, there was top-ranked boxing on ESPN. We now have a new champion in the featherweight division. That's right. Former junior featherweight champion Emmanuel Navarrete moved up in weight and won the vacant WBO featherweight title against number one contender Ruben Villa via unanimous decision. I must admit, Navarrete looked pretty impressive in his um, featherweight debut. He was in complete control of the fight, even scoring two big knockdowns. The first one came in the first round with a big lead uppercut that put uh, Villa on his behind. The second knockdown coming in the fourth round, I believe, with a really nice short left hook that looked like it was going to end the fight, but credit to Villa for getting up and fighting until the final bell. It seems like the power that Navarrete had at 122 is going to carry over just fine at 126. Now, make no mistake, Villa put in a good effort on Friday night. He moved around the ring pretty well and caught Navarrete with some good counters on the inside. Just that the one thing that was against Villa in the fight was his lack of punching power. He didn't hit Navarrete with any punch that would command that respect to stop Navarrete in his tracks from coming forward and continue to put the pressure and with the volume of punches. The scorecards for this fight were just... They they were something else. For some reason, the judges made this a close fight when it really wasn't. One judge gave Villa five rounds, another had it six rounds even, with two knockdowns giving Navarrete the edge for the decision. I gave Navarrete nine rounds at the minimum. So this was not a close fight, or at least it should have been on the scorecards. After winning the fight and gaining a new title, Navarrete, he called out the main guy in in the new division of his. Josh Warrington. Now that, that is a fight I think fans would like to see. A fight between two fighters in Warrington and Navarrete who have a high activity rate. That's always a good fight. This might be the biggest fight to make in the featherweight division after some of the big names moved up to 130 like Oscar Valdez, Carl Frampton, Shakur Stevenson who all ironic, ironically were with top, have or actually are with top rank right now. By the way, this should be, a, should be a good fight to make in the first half of 2021. Hope that gets made soon. If not, then we'll see who Navarrete is paired up with. He, he's always, he always makes for an exciting fight. In the co-main event on Friday, 
Elvis Rodriguez had another impressive performance with a third-round TKO over Cameron Crail. Rodriguez was landing the lead right hook over, over and over again, which pretty much became the punch that ended the fight. With this win, Rodriguez improves to 4-0 and inside the bubble. Top rank opened the bubble back in July. It is now October. And Elvis Rodriguez has had four fights in the bubble. That is crazy activity. Especially in a pandemic with limited fights being made. He said he would like to fight at least once more before the year is over. Who knows? He might be on the November 14th card with Terrence Crawford. I said on my first episode, this guy was going to be one of the next stars for Top Rank. 11 episodes later, he's the clear favorite to be the prospect of the year. And he still might fight again this year. Just watch. With Freddie Roach guiding him in his career, he will have a really good career. Moving on to the next topic, there was another boxing card that happened this past week. Last Wednesday, Showtime had a showbox card to showcase some of their up-and-coming prospects. In the main event, former U.S. Olympian Charles Conwell won via ninth round TKO against Wendy Toussaint. It was it was a dominant performance, but you know not. Not the most exciting main event. One reason why Conwell wasn't pressing the action more aggressively to make it more exciting was because he was battling a hand injury, like, I think halfway through the fight. However, however, he did score a really nice knockdown and eventual knockout with the big right uppercut down the middle that apparently broke the nose of Toussaint. Although it was my first time seeing Conwell fight, and it wasn't the greatest fight, I would like to see him again on, on another Showtime card. He looked like a guy with some good talent. In the co-main event of the Showbox card, other fellow prospect, Brandon Lee, took care of his toughest test by winning via first-round knockout. Lee came out guns blazing, closing the distance with his right hand, putting Jimmy Williams down three times. The first knockdown didn't seem so bad, but it only got worse from there, with the second knockdown being worse, which all looked like it could have been the knockout, but then Williams got up. And then the final knockdown was the last nail in the coffin. I think the knockout might be another knockout of the year contender. Yeah. Along with um, Jose Cepeda and Alexander Povekin. Yeah. That was a really brutal knockout. This latest victory improves his record to 20-0 with 18 knockouts now. Keep an eye on Brandon Lee because he's going to be really good. He just needs to get some, you know, some more rounds in as he progresses on with his career. Other than that, Lee has very good power, very good speed, and even has the boxing credentials if he doesn't get that first round, second round knockout he's looking for. Back in 2016, he was supposed to join Conwell in Rio 
for the Olympics. But his mom wouldn't let him because he would get his mom wouldn't let him go because it was going to affect his education. So Brandon Lee can box. And also, I think he's going to be a future champion in the junior welterweight division. Just watch. Now, in the main event of the episode, are are Deontay Wilder and Tyson Fury not doing the trilogy anymore? Okay. So here's the deal. I said last time that the date might ch- might have to change for the trilogy because there's too much football on December 19th. Well, recently, Tyson Fury's main promoter, Frank Warren, says that he has Tyson Fury scheduled to fight on December 5th in the UK for a stay busy fight. The Wilder Fury trilogy might have to be postponed according to both parties. But now, Deontay Wilder's manager said to not believe the rumors about Fury fighting somebody else and that the rematch is coming soon. Well, these rumors were big enough that the president for the WBC, Mauricio Suleiman, had to step in and say that the fight is still on. Is it clear yet? Okay. Well, just wait. Now Fury's U.S. promoter, Bob Arum, he's also stepped in and says that they don't have to do the trilogy with Deontay Wilder anymore. According to Bob Arum, the contract that was made and signed by both fighters had an expiration date to make the third fight happen. Let's, let me see if, if I can rejog your memory about this trilogy and give you some new information if you haven't, if you didn't know before. So, they were supposed to fight in July for the trilogy, but the pandemic hit, so they got canceled, and understandably. So, the fight was rescheduled for October. Then it was reported that Deontay Wilder was recovering from a bicep injury. And the fight got postponed to to December. Now that the fight doesn't have a date, and it's looking like it's going to happen after 2020, Team Fury just wants to move on from all the waiting. Team Fury, you know, Frank Warren and Bob Arum, specifically, want, they both want the, um, the champ to stay busy, get a win in front of his home crowd and eventually fight the other champ next year and i think i think they said april possibly april of 2021 but yeah they they want to move on from Deontay Wilder and instead of Deontay Wilder Tyson Fury wants Anthony Joshua that's right Tyson Fury and Anthony Joshua have agreed verbally to fight each other once each of them settles their business first. And honestly, that should be the fight to make. 
first of all, it's a new matchup. And you know this is coming. You know this is coming. It's a fight for all the belts. This would be the first time in history that you would have an undisputed heavyweight champion in the four belts era. Could also be the biggest fight in British boxing history since it would be two British champions fighting to be number one in the world. At heavyweight. You don't get that every day. So that's my that's a fresh matchup. That's a better matchup. A third fight with Wilder, it really does nothing for Tyson Fury at this point. It would it would also be good if you know Deontay Wilder took this time to maybe maybe just you know take take a more of a breather, rest up, heal up his body from the injury, uh, just heal up his body in case he was already in camp. Um, may, maybe what he should do is what Tyson Fury's doing as well. Just take a stay busy fight, you know, get a win, you know, because after after the re- the second fight, you know, I don't know how much his um confidence is. I'm not gonna say diminished, but I don't know if it's the same like like before going into the the Tyson Fury fight, but. I know for sure if he, you know, just gets a win again, you know, his confidence would improve. And also with this time off from a rematch, you know, go back to the gym after you're all healed up and rested and work on work on some things and try to improve that skill set. You know, maybe improve that offense a little bit, sharpen up the jab, uh, learn how to throw the punches a little more crisp, maybe learn a couple things with, with your footwork. Maybe learn more ba- better balance. Because at this point, Tyson Fury has already proven that he's a better boxer than Deontay Wilder. He can take Deontay Wilder's punches, prove that twice. And what he proved in the last fight is he can hurt and finish Deontay Wilder. So, in conclusion, I want Tyson Fury and Anthony Joshua. Yeah. Give me that fight. That fight has all the belts on the line. That fight could be huge in a soccer stadium. Scratch that. It will be huge in a soccer stadium. Depending when the pandemic is over. And if you can have 100,000 people in the soccer stadium again. But yeah. Give me Tyson Fury Anthony Joshua. I want that fight. I don't need a third Deontay Wilder Tyson Fury fight. I already saw what happened. Twice. And now we have reached the judges' scorecards. The end of the show where I bring up three topics I didn't get around to talking to in detail, like the main talking points, but still deserve a shout-out. First off, on the judges' scorecards, recently WBO middleweight champion Demetrius Andrade, he went on a podcast, and he put some guys on blast. Straight up. He called Canelo. And Billy Joe Saunders. The B word. And right after doing that. He said he wants all that smoke with Jamal Charlo. Now. I don't know how to feel about that honestly. Like, it was good that he did that. 
you know, to get his name out there, put his name in the mix, and you know, possibly try to stir up some attention for a future fight of his, whether he's fighting any of those guys or not. That's good. But the actual idea of the matchups? Mm, 50-50. Because on one hand, what I really want to see is Demetrius Andre and Billy Joe Saunders. Because that buildup would be interesting. And not 100%, but on paper, stylistically, they match up pretty evenly with each other. Two very slick, def- quick, defensive counterpunches. And good counterpunches with good reflexes. Who don't have the greatest offense. Yeah, that'd be interesting. But like I said, the buildup would be better than the fight. And in that fight, at least, one of those two has to put some punches together. So I wouldn't mind seeing that. And but build up wise, actually this yeah, actually the same could go for Demetrius Andrade and Jamal Charlo. Yeah. That could be a good build up too. It's a lot of it's a lot of personality in that one. On the other hand, uh Demetrius Andrade is he's really a he's a fighter that's really hard to get excited for if you have to watch him. I've seen his last few performances where he said he was gonna make a statement in his victories, and put the other champs on notice. <sighs> but each time you, you wish he would keep, he would keep his promise, and deliver that statement win. I'm not saying he's overrated, but what I am saying is, at the end of the day, if you want those big fights that you keep calling out for, you need to look impressive. And entertain. And you should be entertaining with more than just words. Like, uh, like, so, I don't, I don't know. I don't know. You just, you always wish he would do more in his fights. And that's always a hard sell for a fight. Especially when you have a tough time trying to convince the people to watch a champion. When you struggle to convince people to watch a champion fight, yeah, it's ah, that's it's not a great indicator for for a prize fight. But like I said, I don't know. I feel fifty fifty on what on him on the pod on his uh, recent podcast news. Moving on to the sec- second topic on the judges' scorecards, it is fight week. For Lomachenko Lopez, everybody. Are you guys excited? I'm very excited. This is the most anticipated fight of 2020. And it is finally here. It is fight week. So for this matchup, I'm I'm going to make another episode dedicated to, to what I like about each fighter. It'll be similar to the Charlo episode. So stay tuned for that. And also, whatever you had planned for Saturday, cancel it. Work around it. Like, don't do anything during the fight. Do something before or after, but not during, because you don't want to miss this fight. You don't even want to miss this card. It's going to be really good. It's going to have a lot of action. Like, 
No, don't miss out, please. Don't watch it later. No, no, you want to watch it live. But before boxing takes place, there will be a nice UFC card taking place on Fight Island at one in the afternoon. In the main event, you have the return of former featherweight title challenger, Brian T. City Ortega, going up against fan favorite Chan Sung Jung, a.k.a. the Korean Zombie. Oh, man. Saturday is going to be a great time if you're a fight fan. I'm excited to start my day with this fight because I'm curious to see how Ortega looks after two years. Two years away from, from his last fight, especially from the, the beating he took from Max Holloway. And specifically with this matchup, I want to see if they're, you know, if they're going to trade hands and go for the finish on the feet from the opening bell because these guys still have beef. If you don't know the beef, um, they were scheduled to fight last year in December, but then Ortega got hurt and the Korean zombie fought Frankie Yeager instead. But earlier this year in, was it in March? I think it was in March. At a UFC event, um, Brian, Brian Ortega slapped the Korean zombie's translator. I think it was his translator. Yeah. Slapped him and I forgot, I forgot the reason behind it, but yeah. Pretty much the, be- the beef started a little before that, but that really was, that really was the, the tipping point to this, these guys just wanting to fight to see who gets the next title shot to wanting to fight to put, to put some hurt on the other guy. So this is a fight also to watch out for on Saturday. And if they decide to trade and just stay in the pocket and go b- blow for blow, oh, I have the zombie winning by first or second round TKO. He has, he has better hands. He has stronger punching power. And I think his chin is going to hold up better. But I, especially since I don't know um, how Ortega is going to react to taking a punch since it's been, like I said, it's been almost two years. And the, yeah, the last time he was in a fight, man, he took he took a hell of a punishment that that shortens careers and makes makes your punch resistance not the same anymore. But if Ortega can make the zombie guess second guess himself, get his back against the cage, pull guard successfully, or you know, pull guard successfully, I mean, or get a good takedown early, this will be a long, good five round fight. So Saturday, I'm gonna have fun on Saturday. Well. That's it for today, everyone. Thank you so much for listening to another episode of For All the Belts. I'll be back soon to talk about to talk more about the fights, the news, and more boxing-related topics. I am Jacob Ivarra saying thank you, and till the next episode.